0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about reducing screen time in their home. This is Melanie Hempe, and today we are going to share another story from one of our Screen Strong Families. If you're a member of our Facebook group, you you know what I'm talking about, our Screen Strong Families Facebook group, but we have stories, we have just tons and tons of families in that group that have these incredible stories to share, and they are like gold. Let me tell you, when our family was going through the gaming conflict, as many of y'all know, or if you're new, maybe you don't know, but my oldest son um, became very addicted to video games right under my nose. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought that games were just part of childhood. I thought that if you were a boy, you had to play video games. So I had no clue what I was doing. And then he ended up going to college and dropping out of college because of um, his dependency. And he just didn't go to class. And when he came home, we started figuring out what was wrong. So many of y'all know um, that part of my story. But when we were going through this, I was so lonely and isolated and frustrated because none of my friends... Really, none of us in my friend group and my peer group really understood anything about the power and that persuasive design and those addiction problems with gaming back then. Um, In fact, you couldn't even say anything about a video game addiction. People would look at you like you were crazy. (laughs) And I already felt a little bit crazy because my... Son was I was losing my son. And I had no idea what was what was wrong with him. So I had no community. I had no support. Um, in fact, I got really bad information from the counselors that we took him to. Um, we would we would take him to a counselor, and you're just not going to believe what they would do. They would sit down and they would play video games with him. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm bringing him here because he's playing too many video games and now you're playing video games with him. And they would say things like, well, this is the only way that you can connect with your child. And I'm thinking something isn't right, but I just didn't have the words. I I didn't have the science behind it. Um, I just didn't have the information. And so once we hit rock bottom and um, as many of y'all know, um, we didn't even know there was such a thing as treatment centers out there for gaming overuse. So I did, the next best thing. And I called the military and I had my, my son got recruited, um, into the army. And then that sort of acted as his detox. Those, those, that 14 week period of his basic training was his, um, was his detox. Anyway, we've come a long way since then. Um, I just want to say before I introduce my guests, how thankful I am, um, for the moms that are coming forward and for the dads that are coming forward to share their stories and to be so transparent, because it's only in that story that we will really make a change and that we can raise awareness. And I just, I just think back, I think back to where I was and where our family was years ago when we were going through this. And I just get tears in my eyes because I would have given anything to understand that there was at least one other person. Going through this, um, that I wasn't the only one. So, today we are so thrilled to introduce Jessica Ludlow to y'all. She is a parent that has been very in, involved in our group. And, Jessica, welcome to this podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm a, a big admirer, big fan of um, all that you've done to try to bring awareness. And, and to really gather the parents so that they don't feel so lonely.
0: Yeah, because it's a very, very lonely place. And then yet once when you get education, when you hear from other families, and even if it's only just a handful, it doesn't have to be the whole world. All you need is a few other people to tell you, I've been in your shoes. Then that's when you get empowered. And that's when things start changing. And so Thank you so much for agreeing to share your story and to be transparent. And why don't we just jump in? Tell us about yourself and why you are passionate about this topic.
1: Well, we have um, we have four great kids, uh, three sons and one daughter. And one of our sons struggled really um, with coping skills um and i want to say just to start that i get calls and emails and messages every week from parents who experience the same thing um from parents hmm. who are afraid of their children who are afraid to um take away a, a screen or who are afraid to make their children upset by saying no um, who are maybe victims like I was of the groupthink, where mm. despite our gut feelings we um, want our kids to fit in and we want to fit in with other parents and you know, we don't want to be the weird ones that um, are the only ones that don't play these video games or don't uh, have iPhones or don't do whatever it is. Um, I, I feel like there's a real opportunity there for us to mm-hmm. band together and support each other in all of the different ways that we parent, because every family is different, right? Um, yeah. If we can empower parents to educate themselves, if we can help provide the resources so that they can educate themselves and then make their own decision about what's right for mm-hmm. their family, and not subscribe to what everyone else is doing, I think that yeah. um, that'll really help our families.
0: Yeah, um, definitely.
1: Our sweet son um, was a little more sensitive than our other kids. Um, I, I feel like um, he really, I think, was more susceptible to screen addiction, well, to any kind of addiction. And and I think there's at least one in every family, right? Um, yeah.
0: I agree. I agree with that. I tell parents all the time that if you have three kids, you've got one that's going to struggle. Right,
1: right. (laughs) And it's, um, you know, not necessarily that they're doomed to failure or anything like that at all. Um, It just means that uh, you need a little more education, a little more awareness about um, prevention, addiction prevention. Um, And you need to be aware of what the signs are. Um, And the earlier, the better. Obviously, you don't want to wait until they're dropping out of college or um, you know, you're exactly. needing to call the military or you're um, locked in your closet because you're afraid that your child is going to hurt you if you don't give them yes. back their phone. You, know, you, you want to um, obviously pick up these signs early if you can. Right. And I want to preface this okay. with um, really, I guess my message is that <laughs> the only unique thing about me and my family is that we had great insurance. So we were able Mm. to get the help and the resources and the treatment, um, that we needed to see our way through and, and help our child survive and thrive. Um, I don't think that's very fair.
0: Oh yeah. No, I don't think that's fair either. Um, but tell us how did it start? What were some of the early things that started happening?
1: Um, we noticed shortly after, i don't want to say it was about the same time, about maybe age 12, that we started letting our son play, um, I think it was Call of Duty. It was probably Call of Duty. Um, because we wanted him to have friends, and all his friends were playing it. And, um, you know, it, it, it just was everyone else, it was what everyone else was doing, and we didn't want to um, isolate him. So we didn't, we didn't see any harm in it. Um, and it really, like, a Lieutenant Colonel Grossman says in his, yes. uh, in his book, it was obvious pretty quickly that it was sort of dulling our son's ability to empathize and sympathize. Mm. Um, it started to kind of isolate him a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. we also gave him uh, one of our hand-me-down phones, you know, we, uh, mom or yeah. dad upgraded, and you know, it didn't have data on it, didn't have a calling plan on it, but you could connect it to our Wi-Fi, and we let them how that, and that was um, a huge mistake, huge mistake. Yeah. And this was, you know, like 2012, 2013. We we really were very yeah. ignorant about what we were doing. We figured we could play Candy Crush or something on it.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> the hand-me-down phone thing Jessica I will just say this is one of the biggest mistakes that parents make so you're not alone Um, I have a whole blog post written on this if someone is interested in going to the site screenstrong.com and reading it this is one of the first um, landmines I think Mm -hmm. I would call it um, in parenting it's the phone companies say oh it's been two years it's time for an upgrade and and so what are you going to do, right? You have this device that's really not worth very much. It just seems like the thing to do. Yeah. And, and now they that's, have programs where you can donate
1: them. Um, yes. And they, they give them to women's shelters, um, domestic yes. violence centers. So you can do yes, that. And we a lot the of parents limits. just, oh, we'll just let, let one of our kids play with it. and
0: Yeah, as a toy. And they just don't even mm-hmm. think. And um, so the fact that you did that was very culturally accepted Mm -hmm. back then, especially. And, um, yeah, the links to those sites are in that blog post that I wrote on the hand-me-down phone. So go ahead. I just, I thought that's the first landmine. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: we just didn't know. And so of course, immediately, uh, we start dealing with pornography. Um, and at the time we didn't have any training you know, how to deal. We didn't have good pictures, bad pictures. We didn't have
0: no.
1: um, any resources right. really to deal with it other than the talk. You know, so dad has right. the talk and we think things are fine. And, you know, we talk about respect and, you know, but brainheartworld.org, that wasn't yeah. a thing back then. Nope. Um, yeah. Fight the new drug, I think, was still pretty underground back then. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. We just you know, we did our best to teach healthy sexuality and respect for women. And, you know, we were just not well-equipped to deal with that. But that really, um, the gaming and the, um, access to, you know, uh, smartphone games or pornography or even Netflix, all of those things, um, especially in a vulnerable child's brain. enact that waterfall, that cascade of dopamine and, um, really sort of rewire our kids' brains to no longer produce dopamine when they go play baseball or when they, um, achieve something in real life, you know, their, their brain reserves the dopamine for digital stimulus. And we didn't learn those things yeah, until later, but we, we very quickly saw an escalation in depression and anxiety. And that was, that was before the bullying started.
0: Oh, well, and just for those who are listening, what Jessica is talking about is so scientifically clear how, um, how the electronic media stimulates our limbic area in our brain, and especially for kids who their brains are so fresh (laughs) and um, malleable. And so this dopamine, um, they they get desensitized. Our brains get, you know, desensitized, especially when we're young to where exactly what you're talking about here, um, what you're describing is um, the science behind when you are on call of duty, for example, or looking at pornographic images, your brain is highly stimulated and that dopamine level is very high. It's not natural. It's a very unnatural level of dopamine. And that feel good chemical is what that is. And so what Jessica's talking about is then when you go do basic things like, um, you know, playing baseball or making a recipe that turns out, you know, something successful in real life, just a real life skill. You just don't get that same dopamine because your brain has been re-regulated. So this doesn't happen overnight, but it feels like it happens overnight because it really doesn't take long. I i think just I don't know from a mom's perspective, I think it only takes a few weeks to, to get those brains kind of recalibrated and, um, and that's the danger yeah it that's, was that's the danger. It,
1: it was really quickly that uh he lost yeah. the desire to do anything besides yeah. stare at a screen um he was a natural athlete he was brilliant um he could just he picked up everything really quickly and he stopped wanting to leave the house he stopped wanting to participate in anything um to the point mm-hmm. where um he would sometimes, you know, fake an injury or fake fake sickness yeah. or something to um, get out of yeah. any kind of sport or activity, anything that took him away from the screens.
0: And when you said that he was brilliant, that's really interesting because I believe all kids are, are of course, have tons of potential in academic areas as well as other areas, but there is something. In, in my um, uh, just experience over the last eight years of dealing with this with families, that there is really something to the um, point that you just made that kids who are really smart, who have a very high academic potential, easily fall into the gaming trap. And the reason why is because we're not playing Pac-Man anymore. The games are hard, you know, they're not, um, they're not easy. So the kids who are very bright are going to be really attracted to him. Um, and I, I think years ago we thought it was just the opposite, but I, I think that you're, you're really making a good point there. It, <laughs> so it also, had- um, and, and I want to point
1: out that he is still brilliant, <laughs> Yes, of course. Lose of all course that brilliance, but boy, no. did that. I remember Verizon wanted to hire him. <laughs> he was yeah. like fourteen. Um, he could, he could get through any parental control I set up. He yes. could I mean he, he could pick the locks on the safe. He knew six different yeah. ways to get into my stack-on safe. You know, he just um, there yeah. was no stopping him. There was no hoop that he couldn't jump through to get what he wanted. Um, that's right.
0: And that's what I'm talking about. And my son was the same way and he got through our server. He got through all of our passwords. mm -hmm. He would go to the school and he got through all their firewalls. I'm like, same thing, same thing. So they're very highly motivated to get that dopamine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us then what happened, um, after these warning signs a little bit that you were seeing in the beginning.
1: Uh, we started to see, you know, grades falling, um, Mm -hmm. We, uh, the, the bullying that was, wow. I didn't see that. And tell me about that. What was
0: that about? We,
1: so we had moved pretty far away and decided to let him have Facebook, a Facebook account so that he could keep in touch with his old friends. And it was in an open space in our living room. I was able to work from home, um, I was there all the time, so I figured this is going to be okay. Um, but then I uncovered messages from, you know, some kid that was just saying awful things to him, um, mm. threatening to beat him up mm. if he ever came back uh, to our hometown. Um, really, really awful mm. things about how he just needed to go die, or go kill himself. Mm. And That's I was... Horrible just devastated that someone would, would treat my child like this. Um, so I contacted the school from, you know, thousands of miles away and let them know. And they took it very seriously. And they took this kid and a couple of his cohorts that were all involved and, um, sat them down and it got so much worse. Um, they started to, they would create fake accounts and they would message him. So it didn't matter who we blocked. Um, Ugh. they would create accounts with no message, but the account name would be you Are dead, <laughs> you know, things, oh, no. things like that. So that even just seeing a, a request, you know, someone wants to send you a message from you're dead, you know, just subversive huh? um, ways to kids are really creative and, um, You know, they're hurt and they're struggling and they're lashing out in their own ways. Um, But that's sort of the point in delaying access to things like social media. Um, Our kids, I mean, everyone's been to middle school, right? We remember middle school. We are awful in middle (laughs) school. Um, We're super sensitive. We're also completely unregulated in how we treat people. We've, you know, the training wheels have just come off. We're crashing left and right. Um, We're not as supervised (laughs) as we were in elementary school, you know, so this gives, and there's a reason I tell other parents, there's a reason that you don't send your kid to someone's house with no parents. There's a reason that you send your kids to school when the teachers are there. It's so that they can have supervision so that they can Interact with each other with some guidance um, so that they don't go off the rails like they're kind of supposed to at that age um, and do terrible Mm. things to each other so that we can guide them, you know, how to appropriately communicate, how to appropriately process emotions, how to build our self-esteem so that we can be resilient when, when someone else attacks us inappropriately. Um, there's a reason mm-hmm. for that supervision. And what we do when we give our kids access to social media or even um, texting is we remove that supervision. And mm-hmm. and that's where real damage, lasting damage occurs. And, uh, you know, you have long lasting self-esteem issues and uh, that leads to really disastrous consequences, especially if you've got a yeah. vulnerable kid.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I like you, you know, back then I just never, I never thought because even in the gaming world, there were things there that, um, that can really hurt your kids, you know, from a bullying standpoint, any social media type of a platform, your, your kids are out of your, yeah, you're, you're essentially
1: sending your kid over to somebody's house with no parents, no supervision.
0: Um, And the thing about gaming and that I always thought was so weird was I would never allow my 12 year old to go play uptown or, you know, at the arcade with 25 year old kids like, you know, we even if a child is two years older than, you know, your your child at the age of 12, for example, you know, having a 12 year old play or spend time with a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. That's, that's almost too much. Absolutely. And, and, and really what as, they're doing with as, those yeah.
1: headphones, when they put that, that headset yeah. on, you've invited yeah. a 26 year old stranger into that's your right. living room and then left them And that's why I didn't
0: realize. Yeah. And I didn't, and I just, I thought practically I would never do that in real life. So why am I letting him play with all these people that I don't know who they are and their ages? And it never really crossed my mind at that point. I was very conflicted with what was going on. But I look back and I thought, wow, was I really that blind? And I was. Yeah. And because my peers, like you said, it's not just our kids' peers. It's the parent yeah. peers, right? Our Our peers were telling us it was fun. And I remember um, one of my friends saying "But Melanie, he is just safer you know where he is at least he's in his in in the basement playing video games you know he's not out getting drunk or he's not out crashing a car and I thought oh yeah he is he's safe he's in the basement and he was so not physically yeah that was not he was in the worst place possible but but tell us what happened with your son then after of course you're going through your journey here you're realizing He's gaming. He's smart. He's got this all figured out. Your friends are telling you this is okay. Then he's got this Facebook, and you start seeing the bullying. What What happens after this? What What's the next part of your story? I
1: feel like um, his self esteem just really plummeted. Uh, He started to respond with things like, "Well, you know, maybe I'll just save you the trouble and kill myself." Oh Um, goodness! And and I see this pattern so much more than oh, it just breaks my heart um, yeah. we teen suicide is the number one killer for for teenagers right now and the the Center for Disease Control published an article in 2017 saying that 40,000 Americans just Americans die by suicide every year um,
0: yeah.
1: that is terrible. It's it, it actually yeah. makes it officially um, a public health concern they have you know uh, parameters for what they consider a public health concern um, it's a real issue I'm sure
0: it's higher now I'm sure that number is up
1: it, it is really awful and you know between the desensitization the the dopamine rewiring in his brain um, the lack of social, emotional learning skills in, in school. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we weren't equipped to, to teach him to the level that, that he needed. Um, he began to self-destruct. He began to self-harm. He began to, um, isolate more and more. Uh, there was more and more conflict in our home. It was a constant fight of, um, Mm You know, can you just do your chores or you can't have this screen or that screen? Um, We were constantly dangling the screens, whether it was video game time or uh, phone time. We were constantly using that as a carrot to try to get him to do things, just normal daily activities of daily living. You know, brush your teeth, take a shower, get dressed, take out the trash, pet your dog. <laughs> like just normal things that that we try to teach our kids to do, just as citizens and family members, um, all yeah. of those things became um, minute for minute exchangeable for screen time. Uh-huh. It began to affect his sleep. You know, he would steal the device back. You know, because we would try to dock it at night. He would steal the device and watch Netflix till three in the morning. And I mean, who doesn't uh-huh. love binging a show? Everybody yeah. loves that. But how can you expect a, a 12-year-old to regulate themselves any better than no, a 20-year-old, a 40-year-old? They can't. Um,
0: it's impossible. It, it
1: really is. Um, and and I, have to, I have to be clear that it really doesn't matter what's going on on that screen, whether it's Candy Crush or Fortnite or Minecraft uh-huh. Um, or even just Netflix, the, the stimulus that they're getting, the colors, the light pops. Um, we learned in treatment how important those are for brain stimulation and that it becomes a coping mechanism. If they don't have these DBT, these dialectical behavioral therapy, mindfulness techniques already on board, which right. who does, right? Um, if they right. don't have those skills, It very quickly becomes a crutch and a coping mechanism. And when Mm -hmm. life gets uncomfortable or even miserable, as sometimes it does, that becomes their go-to coping mechanism, which Mm -hmm. some parents might say, okay, that's, you know, why, why is that a problem? Well, the problem is if you never learn to be bored, if you never learn to be uncomfortable, if you never learn how to deal with painful experiences, you are woefully inequipped to live a successful life because life That's isn't right. painless. Life is sometimes boring. Life sometimes is tedious. You can't hold a job if you don't learn how to cope with being bored or cope with tedious or uncomfortable activities. And you can just pull out a phone in your pocket. Yeah. So um, when we would you know, we saw the grades slipping. We saw the sleep patterns. We saw the increased, uh, grumpiness and, uh, well, you know, that that teenage angst really is amplified. It's, it's yeah. absolutely exponentially amplified. And when we be- began to see all that stuff, we started to sort of withdraw some of these screen privileges. Um, he would become violent. He would become just, Nasty, not my child. He would absolutely change. It was like a shark Mm -hmm. that, you know, their eyes get that black covering. My child would leave the building, and this completely other entity would be in my face, threatening me, punching holes in walls Mm -hmm. if I didn't give him back the device. And it was absolutely clear to me that this was like a heroin addiction. I didn't know. Mm Any, any better. I just knew that this was a disaster and, and we needed help. Um, we were very, very lucky and blessed to have fantastic insurance and we were able to get him into therapy and eventually into, uh, residential treatment where he was able to detox and, um, be appropriately assessed, um, you know, when you're when you're trying to determine if a child has anxiety or depression, um, there's so many factors um, that we cannot control for at home. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that hour in the therapist's office or in the psychiatrist's office, they can't control for sleep, uh, diet, what sort of shenanigans are going on at home. Um, yeah. The, the screen time, obviously, you know, your kid is a completely different kid if they play six hours a day of a video game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. it's totally different. So in, in residential treatment, we were able to really control for everything. You know, he got a healthy diet at scheduled times. He got sleep at scheduled times. He got exercise at scheduled yeah. times. He got evaluated by a variety of professionals over the space of a couple of weeks so that they were able to form a real clear picture of how much of this depression and anxiety and self-harm was pathology and how much was attributable to the addiction
0: did they um did they acknowledge that there was that there could be problems with the gaming overuse or absolutely in fact um, every other Child in
1: our treatment center um, had almost identical stories and timelines, and that's where yeah. that's where the big wake up was for me was sitting in the parent group and listening yeah. to the same story, the same progression, mm-hmm. the same timeline. Um, it, it, they were identical. Every kid in there who was being treated for some sort of mental health issue really, um, side by side was dealing with a screen addiction. Wow. And, and part of the problem is that when those screens were withdrawn, they would, because they couldn't, they couldn't cope, cope. um, with even just being in their own skin, um, right. they would start to self-harm and their parents would become alarmed and not know what to do, seek out professional help. Did it- get denied any of
0: those parents um i'm because i've heard it over and over and over again that there's usually a substance or there can be a substance abuse as well like that comes into play well when you take away the
1: screens um right they go looking for something else to alter that reality and that's extremely common um where Mm. they will start you know whatever's the easiest you know they'll start smoking weed or they'll uh, maybe start stealing your alcohol. Um, in a lot of cases, there's stealing of medications from your medicine cabinet or from a family or friends. Right. Uh, right. And, and that's really, really scary because um, you don't know what a whole bottle of melatonin will do. You don't know what a whole yeah. bottle of Ambien will do. What do you have as a parent? What do you have in your cupboard? Um, yeah. Everything, that you think is benign, um, I would never have thought a whole bottle of melatonin would be, who would do that? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Who would do that? But, you know, kids don't realize that some of these decisions, you know, let's just get buzzed somehow. Let's just take the edge off this awful reality that is living and breathing in middle school or high school. Let's do whatever it takes to take that edge off because we don't know how to cope. Um, we lost at our high school. we lost five kids in six weeks at the beginning of oh. 2020. Two of them by suicide. Oh. Um, three of them were uh, drug overdoses by um, kids who were you know just trying to get they were just trying to get high. And their yeah. their drugs their pills were laced with fentanyl, and and fentanyl as many parents probably know, um, it's it's very very potent and um, extremely easy to overdose on. So when you when you lace things with fentanyl, um, especially on the black market, um, yeah. there's there's really no way to ensure that you're getting just the right amount. And uh. Uh, of course, once those are distributed, you don't know how people are going to take them. Are they going to take one or two? And, uh, they don't realize, you know, if they're a slider build versus a heavier build, they don't know how it's going to hit them. So, you know, we've had some accidental overdoses. We are Mm -hmm. losing our kids left, right, and center. And it is absolutely heartbreaking because it's avoidable. We can educate our parents. We can educate our teachers and our children, um, all we have to do is prioritize it. We can make it mandatory for every school receiving federal or state funding that they obtain a quality social emotional learning curriculum and make it mandatory
0: as a core subject in their schools so that teachers have to present it. And I'm totally in, in favor of that. In fact, we are right now working on a course designed for schools as well as doctor's offices and community groups and churches and anybody, any kind of group out there. And we're working on just that because there, we have to break down the science for people just to help them understand in a, um, you know, just an online course experience. It's, it's going to be quick enough to where it won't take you days to get through it, but for parents and for kids alike, to understand how this works. And I want to back up a second because um, I want to explain something that you touched on um, about for the parent out there who's wondering, well, this is not my kid, my kid, just because they play video games. I mean, Melanie, come on, th- this is not going to lead to all these things that Jessica's talking about. They obviously have might not. Problems.
1: It's, I mean, every kid is different. If, if you if you decide that your child is not the one that's going to be susceptible right. to this, you need to get your butt on that game with them. You need to have yeah. your own set of headphones and be sitting side by side with your kid playing that game every step. And And if you feel like as a parent that it's going the way that you hope it's going, then good for you. But please, please, please don't just
0: let your kid run. Don't just ignore it. No. And let me, let me tell you why I want to go back a little bit into the science because I know with anything, like if you're trying to do a new diet, for example, you really need to understand the why behind it. You need to understand how things work. So when Jessica here is talking about um, her, her son trying to fill gaps in with you know, maybe hurting himself or taking something, you end up in a treatment center. You know, is it really because of gaming? Yes, it is. And let me tell you why. The reason why is this. When a child is on a game, in a teenager, a child, whoever, um, their dopamine uh, regulation changes. It, it gets very um, upscaled. So they're getting so much dopamine. We talked about that a minute ago. But what I want to tell you is, What happens during a dopamine deficit state? So a dopamine deficit state are the times in your kid's life when he's not on the game, right? When he has to go make his bed, he has to do the dishes. He has to walk the dog. He has to do his homework. These are dopamine deficit states because There's no flashing lights. These are the mundane things that you were referring to. Just the things about life that really make up about 90% of our life are the everyday things that we have to do, the tasks that we have to do. And when a child who is used to gaming, who has been trained to experience the dopamine release that's provided through games and social media and Netflix and, and all these different things they become increasingly more uncomfortable in the dopamine deficit state. And this is where the depression comes from. Mm-hmm. And I know this like the back of my hand, Jessica, just like you know it because you lived with it in your house. It is a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You have a child who seems fine when they're gaming, but seems like a completely different person when they're not. And the reason why this is happening is because slowly or quickly, they have, they have gotten used to this dopamine state and they have gotten, you know, less used to the dopamine deficit state. So they have a very hard time moving from the virtual world to the real world and going back and forth. And the way my son describes it is that as a gamer, who's loving all this dopamine, you are getting um, everything that you do is to get back to the virtual world. So if your mom asks you to vacuum the den, you will quickly go vacuum the den and do just Mm -hmm. a half job because your job, your goal is to get back to that virtual world as quickly as you can. And, and this happens right under our nose. It happens. I just wanted
1: my kid to be um, happy. And he seemed so happy when he was gaming. It seems like the only time that he was happy. Only
0: time. And what mom and dad does not want their kids to be happy, right. and what is what happened to you is what happened to me. And the old adage of the frog and the boiling <laughs> pot of water, it the water's getting hotter and hotter, and we don't see it. We have a blind spot because we want our kids to be happy, we feel like that's our goal. And so many people listening also have a blind spot. So, if you're out there listening, it's you may be thinking well not me My, we're not that bad it's not that bad be careful to look past your blind spot and listen to us and let us encourage you to dive in a little deeper and look deeper and look past your blind spots and it's very very hard to do this I, in fact jessica i don't i don't know what i would have done if if i would have been able to listen to other people back then i don't know well, we um, have,
1: we started reading books because we yeah, saw
0: this that helps
1: We saw the trajectory and we were very concerned as parents, but we didn't know what to do. So we started reading books. Um, We really needed a a reading list. Um, And unfortunately, it wasn't until we were in residential treatment that we were given a reading list. And I want to make sure that everyone has that reading list.
0: Yeah, and we have a lot of books that we recommend Pro-ac- to, you, yeah. and our course that we're doing, we're going to have books for every section. Yeah, that will be the
1: first one that was recommended was Leonard Sachs, uh, "The Collapse yeah. of Parenting," where really awesome. we learned how to put our big girl pants on, our big boy pants on, and become <laughs> the parents again. Because, like I yes. said, I get those calls and emails every day from parents who are hostages of their children. They, yes. they want their kids to be happy. They don't want their kids to be angry at them. Um, they don't want holes yeah. in their walls. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a teenage boy, you're probably going to have holes in your walls. Get over it. Yeah. Put your big girl pants yeah. on. Put your parent pants on and be the parent. Not everyone, okay. we, we don't get a book at the hospital. No. You know? <laughs> they don't tell us how to do this. We're all sort of feeling our way through it. So there's no judgment. But I'm telling you right now, if you read... The Collapse of Parenting by Leonard Sachs. You'll be on your way. And then, of course, his his other books, Boys Adrift and Girls on yeah. the Edge. Absolutely the edge. life-saving books for you and your teenager. Well
0: and, and we've had, had Leonard on our it. on our show before. So listen to the podcast with Leonard too. And we'll have him, of course, back again. Mm-hmm. We
1: and then of course, more. you know, your list like Glow Kids and Reset your child's brain. Um, I've got a dozen books that we learned about in treatment that I feel like yeah. every parent should have access to. They shouldn't have to have great insurance or um, right. a house to mortgage or a kidney to sell to get
0: right. to get the treatment. <laughs> um, and breaking the trance is one of my favorites, and that's the book I'm so in yes. January, yeah, I've been looking that book. January. It's,
1: it's oh, yeah. a great book. Yeah, um, I really They're just want to good. empower parents to get back in the driver's seat um, and yeah. be the compassionate, connected parents that they want to be, that they can be. Um, but you're going you to have permission
0: to make some that. hard
1: choices yeah. and your kids might be angry at you, um, but you've, you've got to do it because it'll save their lives. Truly. It'll save your relationship with them. Um, yes. It'll save your, your lives. My son and I now um, he's an adult now and we have a great relationship. Um,
0: yeah. Tell me about how that story wraps up.
1: Well, um, I want to say that the, the, the residential treatment is, you know, the most extreme and a very yeah. personal decision. Um, sure. It's probably the most excruciating thing that we ever, ever had to do. Um, was really, really difficult, but we were able to find a really good uh, treatment center that we could trust um and just began learning and consuming all of the data all the resources i compiled this huge binder of scientific journals and um you know all of the reasoning that you stated um Mm -hmm. the, the scientific research about our kids brains um and and read all of these books and then um you know, we brought him home and continued in therapy and continued building those skills, the skills that really need to be being taught proactively in every school in America. Um, Resilience, mindfulness, healthy communication, uh, human connection, how to build self-esteem independent of social media, how to set and achieve goals. Um, These basic things that Will really enable our kids to withstand um, life in a not just withstand but to thrive in a world that yeah. is increasingly digital. Um, the the technology is not going anywhere, and I'm not anti-technology. I use social right. media um, and and have, oh, yeah, have a great tool. for you know, but I'm an old lady. <laughs> My frontal lobe is. <laughs> <laughs> Way past solidified It's probably withering and <laughs> drying up right now. Um, but we um, we can use technology as a tool to achieve our goals, to make the world a better place, okay. to connect people and resources all over the world. We were able to connect um, refugees with resources, and yeah. every crisis up up until and including uh, COVID. Um, we were able to use technology to connect people and to help people to distribute food to um, every corner of the world. Sure. You know, we're, we're able to use technology as tools for good, but we need to focus first on building appropriate SEL skills, social emotional learning skills. There's a fantastic book called Screen Ed your driver's education manual. It's for smartphones. It's by Amy Adams. Um, she's an MSW. Um, fantastic book about how to sort of really center your uh, identity, your um, goals, and then use a smartphone for good, really to achieve your goals, um, what to walk well and, that's, and how to develop those skills.
0: That's- really really good to do when you're an adult. It's wonderful to do when you're an adult, but there's too many, um, potholes and landmines mm-hmm. when you're a kid. Yeah.
1: I could, I could there's- see, um, maybe when my son is 16, 17, maybe, um, having him go through this screen ed book, it's actually a workbook, which is what I love about it. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's very interactive and you have to work with, with your older teenager, <laughs> I would say. Um,
0: well, in- because based on their, on the science of brain development, you know, their frontal cortex is not fully connected oh. till they are over the age of 25. Oh. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't have any technology till they're 25. That's not what that means. But, but it does mean that we can't um, expect them to use, to use this properly you know by training them Mm -hmm. see we can't train them you can't train a brain that's not developed yet um I, i mean that's just the fact yes that's just the medical fact around it so we have to get it to be developed and um a minute ago you were talking about screens as a tool and i'm all about it too i i love technology i used to sell software i'm extremely into it but I do not believe that we should use technology as entertainment Absolutely. for the bulk of our entertainment. Absolutely. I think that's the difference. That's where you view the,
1: the dopamine issues and really rewire your Right.
0: Brain. That's where the dopamine, our entertainment needs to be found in real life, outdoors with mm-hmm. real people, indoors on a board game, all the, the entertainment. And I think if every parent would step back and look at the percentage of where they're spending their entertainment hours mm-hmm. with their kids or how they're allowing their kids to entertain themselves, then we could solve this problem overnight. 100%. Because, 100% yeah, it,
1: and it's, absolutely. And if you read Reset Your Child's Brain, it's one of my yeah. favorite books um, because it is right. so science-based as well. Um, yes. yes. Because and our Biggie's kids been on our show too. are so, their, their brains are so young and malleable um, the neuroplasticity is really high, so they're able to detox and and readapt to real life very quickly. Um, I love the the screen fast. I, I absolutely oh, yeah. love that for rewiring your your kid's yeah. brain and really getting them. I mean, for for Christmas this year, we were completely board games and yeah. uh, experiences. Um, one of the best things that Smith Alley. Uh, recommended Smith Elliott uh, Protect Strong. Um, he recommended ditching our Xbox and buying a dirt bike. Yeah, <laughs> best yeah. advice ever.
0: Um, yeah, and your kids are going to love uh-huh. it so much more. Absolutely, and we, they're going to get the proper amount of dopamine. Yeah. That it's not going to be this crazy, ridiculous amount. Yeah, we just dopamine, we, dopamine. you
1: know you find dopamine. what your kids into, whether it's um, snowboarding or. Uh, mountain biking, or hiking, or um, playing basketball—just whatever it is, um, you know. Get a scooter or a one wheel, or just something to get them outside, connecting with nature, breathing fresh air, exercising, moving their bodies, and that—that that dopamine Spending will re-regulate, and their brains will readjust. So it's not like, you know, there's no hope. But the older your child is. The more time it takes, and and the more time they were spending, you know, the more if they're gaming six hours a day, um, and honestly, the, the parents that are reaching out to me, their
0: kids are gaming like
1: sixteen hours a day. Yeah. Um,
0: well, how is it in your home now? And how old is your son now? Um, He's my youngest is uh, just turned fifteen, and uh, okay. my
1: my vulnerable child is nineteen now. Okay.
0: And so do y'all, y'all, I mean, do you think now after everything you've gone through that it is possible to actually raise boys without video games or do you feel like our culture demands it? Well,
1: and that's where the group thing comes in. Um, and where I learned the hard way. Um, now that I'm more confident in my own parenting, um, I would say it's absolutely possible. And when you log off those video games, you, you draw other kids who are off those video games whereas before what i saw um was you know when our kids were playing video games it's all they talked about it's all they thought about and so other kids you know would sort of not you know who wants to hang out with someone yeah. who only talks about video games well other gamers yeah. so you know they draw right. each other water seeks its own level and um you know pretty soon you have this Tight little group of kids who—that's all they do—and then you're then you're in trouble because then you're looking at well, if I get off games, then I lose all these friends. Well, that's right. If it's a real friendship, they'll come with you when you log off. And if they don't, then I'm really sad for them. Um, But you have to do what's best for your kids. Um, And and if you just if you replace the word heroin, (laughs) you know when you're talking about. Whether it's video games or whether it's the smartphone or PC games, whatever it is, if you replace the word heroin with those things and say, well, you know, everyone else is playing with heroin. Um, I don't want my kids to be the only ones not doing the heroin. Um, yeah. You know, think about it from that perspective and decide for yourself what you want for your family. If you want your kid yeah. to be on the heroin, just get on the heroin with them. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh no, that doesn't sound fun. I No, I love how you're, I mean, I, I agree with you totally. I think that, um, you and I both thought, you know, that games had to be part of our, our kids life, especially if we had boys, cause that seems to be, I mean, I know girls game too, and we tend to have more trouble with girls and social media, but, um, I think that there's this, um, Myth out there in our culture that says this is all necessary, and that they're you know going to be behind. They're not going to learn technology. They're not going to have any friends. That's all. It's a, a myth. It is. Myth. They won't
1: have. They probably won't have the same friends, and that's scary. They'll have, it's scary for anybody yeah.
0: to consider leaving their friend group. Um, yeah. but it's so worth. So it. you really help them change their tribe. So, um, and that's what we did too. We, we have a different tribe now Mm -hmm. for our kids and we are very involved with who their friends are. I think that's a mistake that parents make, um, you know, knowing all the mistakes that we made and how we're changing that now. We're very invested in, um, carving out that, that path for them, um, helping them discover things. They can't, they don't, they're not born just wanting to play the piano. <laughs> you know, we, we have to put things in their path. And I think most parents do this till their kids are 10 mm-hmm. or 12. And they, and then they say, games oh. and the desire yeah, and then for anything else and goes away. Everything goes away. And they say, well, this is what he likes. And I think to uh your point about the collapse of parenting, that book is such a great book because it does give you your power back to say, "No, we're the parents." And it's Green Strong. We we say that we're the coaches because we mm-hmm. feel like that's a good analogy to use. We want to be the coaches for our kids, and we're not their best friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, good sometimes coaches. they're going to hate the coach, but yeah, you have to do yeah, what and, you have
1: to do. It's your job, and I'm not here to right. judge and, anybody or to guilt anybody no. as a parent because we're all on different journeys and and i was there right. um my goal is to empower parents to get back in that driver's seat and take control of their families so that they can design intentionally what they want for their kids and not just yes. let group think take over and take their kids from them because our kids really are being stolen
0: and how many How many teenagers are dying for their parents to do this? They can't do it themselves and they're not going to ask their parents to do it. So, But deep down, they are so thankful and they feel so loved when their parents care enough to make these hard decisions Mm -hmm. that they're not able to do. So Jessica, thank you so much for being on. The time just flies by. I definitely want to have you on again I want to do a show on um, 10 things that every parent needs to know about video games. And I think you would be a great person to do that with. I would love to. I would love to. (laughs) Maybe you can join me um, on that We have
1: to band together. We really have to support each other as parents wherever we are. I love the Facebook group that you started. I don't love Facebook.
0: (laughs) No, I don't either. So it was really hard for me to do that. But you know what? We have to use it as a tool and we're reaching a lot of people. It is. Green Strong Families yeah. is the name of the Facebook group. But Jessica, is there one more thing? I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot here. Is there one more thing as we sign off for the parents that are listening? What is a final thing that you might want to say to encourage them? I I, I don't want to put you on the no, spot. Not at all. Have-
1: I would say the most no. important um, thing to know is that you're not alone as a parent. Yeah, We are all going through the same thing. Um, and the research is back, you got to get those eight, eight second hugs in hugs. and really connect yeah. with your kids so that they know that you love them. And then you can educate yourself and become the coach. And those things yes. are just so, so important.
0: Thank you. That is so helpful. Um, and just by you sharing your story, it's so inspiring um, and, and I'm sure that there are other parents out there. They're going to want to say, you know what? I can share my story. And and every time we share a story, we shed more light on it and we raise awareness. And more kids are saved because that's from my my view. That's what I see us doing. It's we ha- we we have an obligation to share our stories so we can save these kids out there and save the families because it's so unnecessary it really to is. go it's through. It's so
1: preventable. It's just heartbreaking yeah. that it's destroying families, yeah. destroying relationships, destroying lives, really. I mean, these kids, yeah. when they take their own lives, um, <sighs> they leave behind shattered families. It, it's just, it's so preventable.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's, that's what we'll end with. It is so preventable. It, it's not a genetic thing. <laughs> it is absolutely preventable. So Um. Thank you so much, Jessica. We're definitely going to hear from you again. If y'all have any questions for her, pop over on our Facebook group. It's Green Strong Families. She's over there. I'm over there. Um. We will definitely answer your questions. I'm very excited about 2021. We're going to have these book clubs going and we're just going to get a lot done. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope... Everyone enjoyed the the show today. Please let us know if you have any other questions and suggestions for upcoming topics. Remember to go to screenstrong.com, take the screen strong challenge. We talked about that just a minute today, and we will continue to talk about that a lot this month because you know the beginning of the year you want to change some habits. But the Screen Strong Challenge is a seven-day detox and it's designed just to give you a glimpse of what your life can be like without arguing about screens all the time. You will take those video games out of your house and you'll also take the smartphone and social media away from your kids and you will do life for seven days without it. Uh, We would hope that you would go on and do the 30 day challenge of course, and eventually really pair back and just pause it, hit the pause button on all this and enjoy your kids. Remember, We've got your back, and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong.